0: When you are part of any organization or or structure, uh, think of like a family, a family unit, a, a club. Uh, you work somewhere, right? You work for a company. Um, there's a lot of moments that you 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 may ask yourself, "Why are we here? Why do we exist? Right? What's the purpose? What's the point of what we're doing?" And those are they're good questions because when we understand the purpose of what, what we are a part of, it's going to inform and it's going to fuel our passion or our desire to be part of that, whatever it is. Um, you know, you could think about your work, right? Why am I doing this job? If, if your only answer is, so I can get money, like that can only take you so far. Um, But if there is a, I am doing this because I I am passionate about it, it's going to change the way that you do that. And so you can continue in that, uh, whatever it is that you're doing, even as you experience difficulty or opposition, or it requires you to make some kind of a sacrifice. But when you're just doing what you're told to do, or you're doing what you're expected to do, or you're doing what you've always done, it becomes much more difficult. And, and when you experience resistance in that or you're required to make a sacrifice, it's, it's much easier to give up, to say, well, I don't even know why I'm doing this anyway. Why am I experiencing this, this pain if I don't need to, if it's not important to me? So when we don't, when we don't really know what we're fighting for, we will eventually give up the fight, because why fight for something that, that we don't care about? So we've been walking through this series in the book of Acts for, for many weeks. Uh, this is the 40th sermon in the, the series that we've gone through. It actually feels like more. Does it feel like more to you guys? It's because we've spread it out over some time, but it is only 40 sermons in the book of Acts. Uh, and so over and over again we have been reminded that acts is it's about the church of jesus learning how to live out the mission of jesus very simple uh, and and that that story, that learning to live out the mission of Jesus that continues today. So the story begins in Acts, and it carries through all the way to today. That's why Acts 29 is named Acts 29, because there's 28 chapters in Acts. Acts 29 means we're carrying on the mission that began in Acts. So we are uh, the living church of the living Savior. We're carrying on his work. We're doing the, the mission that Jesus started and he began and he handed off to us to do, that he gave us the Holy Spirit to do his mission, and we're, we're continuing in that. So even as we enter uh, this, this final section of the book of Acts, we're, we're in chapter 20 today, uh, we are beginning to see what does it look like to succeed in that task that Jesus has given us, the mission that he 's given us what does it look like to complete it or to to finish it and and it 's interesting that that Dave uh, for the last couple weeks he taught a series from Philippians chapter One uh, over the last two uh, two weeks in and he, his sermon last week was called Mission Complete, and, and today our sermon is called Finishing the Task. Uh, it's pretty redundant, and it's amazing that, um, that these things lined up the way that they did. Dave and I did not strategize. We actually probably would have made it a little bit less redundant if we had strategized, but I, I really love that the Lord has led us in this direction, um, because as we've, the, the past 11 weeks, basically this whole spring into the summer, uh, we have have looked and seen the mission of Jesus and what it looks like to carry out that task through the eyes of this man named Paul. We know him as the Apostle Paul. And so on three different trips, he has traveled all over the Roman Empire. He's been preaching about Jesus. He's been planting churches in many, many towns and communities. And here in Acts chapter 20, he is nearing the conclusion of his third missionary journey. And, and he, we, we get sort of an, a, a window onto what Paul is reflecting on as he is finishing his missionary journey. But, but he, in a sense, is finishing the task that he has been given. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he says, I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. Does that sound familiar from what we looked at last week in Philippians, the last couple weeks? I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus. Here's, Here's the task, here's the course, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So Paul recognizes that as a follower of Jesus, he has one job, to finish the course or the task that he has been given. So in the same way that Jesus declared It is finished. Jesus is on the cross. He says, it is finished. He's declaring that he has accomplished or fulfilled the ministry that he was given. He he finished the task that the Father given him. And we are to move, uh, we're to move toward or work toward the same kind of idea that that we can say to the Lord, I have finished the job that you gave me. I have fulfilled the mission that you have sent me on. Now, what is that task that we've been given? It's the same as what Paul says in verse 24, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That's our mission. That's our task. So to testify, it means to bear witness, to to authenticate the truth of something, to say this is what is true. I have seen it or I understand it. So in this case, Paul's saying my mission, my task is to authenticate, to show the truth of the gospel of Jesus. Here's the way to salvation. It's through Jesus. It's through who he is. It's through what he has done. So the way we say it at Town Church is that Uh, Our mission is to declare and display the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. That's what it means to testify. We declare, we speak about Jesus with our words, and we testify. We authenticate the truth of the gospel through the lives that we live. We prove its truth through the things that we say and the things that we do. So what is our task as disciples of Jesus. Jesus told us, right, go make disciples, all right? So, so if you really want to boil it down to the simplest thing, it's to make disciples, and we do that through testifying to the gospel of the grace of God in Jesus. How do we then, how do we do it? How do we complete it? How do we finish that task? So, so here's, here's everything boiled down into one sentence for today. To finish The task of making disciples, we must be faithful disciples. And then we have to say, well, what does it mean? What does it look like to be a faithful disciple of Jesus then? So we're going to look at four aspects of faithfulness in following Jesus faithful sacrifice, faithful resolve, faithful example, and faith in faithfulness. So we're going to read all of Acts chapter 20. Uh, and then we will look at those four different aspects of faithfulness in following Jesus. Acts chapter 20, uh, it's on pages 929 and 930 in the Bibles in the back. It will also be up on the screen. Acts chapter 20, beginning of verse 1. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples And after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed from Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and he had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia, so pater of Berea the son of Pyrrhus from Berea accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus, and Secundus, and Gaius of Derby and Timothy, and the Asians, Tychicus, and Trophimus. These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days." On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered, and a young man named Eutychus sitting at the window sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer, and being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him, and taking him in his arms, said, do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a little, a long while until daybreak and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. But going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Assos, intending to take Paul aboard there, for he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when we, he met us at Assos, we took him on board and went to Mytilene. And sailing from there, we came to the, the following day opposite Chios, and the next day we touched at Samos, and, this, and the day after that we went to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, "'You yourselves know.'" How I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, And now behold, I know that none of, none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood, and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them all, And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. This is God's word. Let's pray once more. Father, thank you for calling us to the task of of your mission that we belong to you, that you've called us in to your family and now you've sent us out to make more disciples, to share the good news of Jesus, to, to authenticate the truth, Jesus, of who you are and what you have done for us. And I pray that, that as we spend time in this passage of scripture, your living word, Lord God, that you would teach us, that you would correct us, that you would inspire us, uh, that you would show us the places that we have been complacent, where we have been negligent, and encourage us in the places where we are growing. And above all, would we, even in this moment, be able to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, briefly, let's Break down the way this chapter is is working because we're we're gonna bounce all over the place in this chapter and we're gonna zoom in on different parts of it. So before we do that, I just want to go. Here's a big picture of the of the whole passage, real quick. Uh, so so first we see Paul is is concluding; he's finishing up his ministry with these churches uh, in Asia, Macedonia, uh, and these are you know these are places all of like. Uh, Eastern Europe, along the northern part of the Mediterranean Sea, Greece, all those areas in. And, and he's basically going to these churches and he's he's tying up his ministry with them. He's saying, you know, I'm going to encourage you. We, we planted this church, we established this church, and now I'm going away. And, and so he's going to those places um, and he's preparing for what is going to be his final trip to to Jerusalem, and while he's uh, waiting for one of his ships, we hear this funny story about this kid who falls asleep during a sermon uh, because he's preaching till way past midnight. Um, you guys have it easy. He he literally went all night long. That's incredible. So um, it really wasn't a sermon. Probably it was more like they were just spending time together uh, as a church community. But he was in some way instructing and encouraging them. Uh, and so after that. Uh, he, he restores this young man to life, and then he travels by sea, he, and then he spends the rest of the time, he sends for the elders of the church in Ephesus, which is, we looked at the church in Ephesus uh, several weeks ago, that's where Paul spent the longest period of time uh, in, in one city, three years in the city of Ephesus, and so he finishes this chapter with this farewell speech, basically saying, I'm going away, these are going to be the last things that I say to you in person. This will be the last time that we're together. So so in all of that, we're going to look at four aspects. What does it take to be faithful uh, and to finish the task that Jesus has given to us? And the first aspect that we see is faithful sacrifice, the task uh, of, uh, that Jesus has given to us to make disciples. It requires a cost. It requires a cost. And we've seen this over and over again in the book of Acts. Following Jesus is costly. We've seen people put in prison. We've seen people um, beaten. We've seen Christians who have been killed for for following Jesus. And, And all kinds of things have happened to numerous Christians. They've been scattered from their hometown to, to because of religious persecution, um, following Jesus is, is costly. And we see this uh, even just in this chapter. Paul, and, and he's probably, we've seen the most cost in his life, but he reiterates that, that there was a plot that was made against him. He experienced opposition as he follows Jesus. And, and experiencing opposition is a sacrifice that We make it's it's costly as we follow Jesus and, and and he says that he served the Lord with all humility with tears And with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews in in verse 19 and so I don't I mean we I think Paul experienced so much suffering and persecution that we think that it became easy for him at some point Maybe like he just was like all right another whatever, uh, but he says it there Tears you know, this was costly for for Paul and for those who were with him on his in ministry with him that these these plots, this opposition that he experienced was was difficult for him, uh, and he he wept over uh, the, the tension and the anxiety and, and even the fear of what he experienced through these things another Another way of sacrifice we can see here is separation, right? Paul says in verse 25, I know that none of you will see my face again, right? There's a, there's a separation that's happening here. People that, that love each other in Jesus, they're part of this community. They've, they've knit their lives together and And that there is a separation because of the mission of Jesus, they are forced to be separated, uh, and this isn 't even because of persecution. this is for the sake of the mission, right Paul's going to go do something else just as he has left all these other places that he has gone and and I think that you know as we talk about church planting, as we help support. Church plants, as we, as we consider what does it look like for us to be a church that's multiplying, sending out people on the mission of Jesus, that's going to involve, that does involve separation. You know, and, and in the life of our church, we've had this happen many times, where, where we feel the loss of those that we have knit together our lives with in, in Jesus, and for them to go on to the next thing that God has called them to, we feel the pain of that. It's a cost that comes as we follow Jesus. Another aspect of being faithful and uh, in, in making sacrifices is uncertainty. Paul says in verse 25, uh, 22, I'm going to Jerusalem. The Spirit has compelled me, and I don't know what's going to happen to me there. All I do know is that everywhere I go, uh, I have been in prison and afflictions await me. So, so when you know that the only sure thing in your future is imprisonment and affliction, um, that's a sacrificial way of life, right? How do you get up in the morning when you know that's what's in front of you? You have to know that following Jesus is costly. So in order to finish the task, that Jesus has given to us, we must be faithful in making the sacrifices for the sake of Jesus and for the people that he's called us to. The next thing we see that in order to finish the task that Jesus has given us, we must have a faithful resolve. We must have a faithful resolve because the task that Jesus has given to us requires commitment we cannot accomplish Jesus' mission without committing ourselves to it. Uh, nobody accidentally follows Jesus. Nobody uh, accidentally finds themselves on the narrow way of the cross. Right? There's this there's this asking. That Jesus, this demand that Jesus makes on us, that that doesn't happen in in a a non-committal way. There's, you know, like when people invite you to things on Facebook, you could say yes, no, or maybe. Uh, With Jesus, there's no maybe option. There, there's no like I might show up if there's nothing else going on. Requires commitment. The task that Jesus has called us to requires commitment. And, and that means that we have to think of the mission of Jesus as the primary way we understand our life. Like, what, what are we supposed to be doing? It's not just when I have spare time, when I have some leftover energy, then I'll think about what it looks like to follow Jesus. So so in this passage, we get some some pictures. Here's what it looks like to be committed to Jesus mission. First, there has to be faithful churches. And and we see this in verse 7, that the church is in, which town is this? And there's so many towns in this passage. Is this in Miletus? No, Troas. Okay, (laughs) they're in Troas. This is the city where the guy falls out of the window. But it says that they're gathered together on the first day of the week, that Sunday, early on in the in the life of the church they begin to gather on the first day of the week and so the normal pattern for the early church from the get-go is we gather together as a church to worship Jesus on the first day of of the week and and they gather together all the time excuse me all the time as we saw in uh, earlier in Acts two, right? They get together in their houses. They're sharing their lives together. They're just their lives are overlapping all the time. But but there has to be a commitment to being part of a faithful church where we are gathering together, where we're committing our lives to one another. Another commitment that we need to make uh, on Jesus' mission is is faithful giving, and we see this list in in verse 4, Dave's going to put it up on the screen. I made it through saying all these names one time. I'm not even going to try to do it again um, because I don't need to do that right now. Um, but but why are we given this list? It's extremely detailed, as is the itinerary for for this trip that Paul is on. Um, why Why is this list happening? And we sort of we have to go to the, the letters that Paul wrote to the churches during this period of time. Uh, he wrote a letter to the Corinthians uh, during this period of time. Romans was written during this general time period as well. And we know that what Paul was doing on this trip back to Jerusalem, he was, he was collecting money from all the different churches that he had helped plant in order to take it back to the church in Jerusalem who was experiencing uh, extreme religious persecution, and, and so his goal was: I want to take back this money as the as the church in Jerusalem sent us out with the good news of Jesus. We want to support that church, those people in Jerusalem, uh, with a financial uh, gift. And so he was. You know, you read in Second Corinthians about how, and and I believe it's chapters eight and nine. He's talking about uh, we have to give sacrificially to support. This church in Jerusalem. So, so the list of names here are the representatives from each of those churches from those regions that are going with Paul, uh, sort of as like a a group of bodyguards. Because if you're carrying like a big bag of money on the road during this time period, you wanted to have people with you who could who could have your back. Uh, and but but more than that, it was to say we are the church of Jesus. Uh, who are made up of Gentiles, right? Not ethnically Jewish people. And because we belong to Jesus, we're part of the same family as you. We want to come together and support you and bless you with this financial gift. And so there's representation from these different churches uh, where, where Paul had planted these churches. And uh, so, so it's implied here, right, that, that Luke is saying, Luke, the author of Acts, To be a faithful church, we need to be committed to each other. We need to help support each other through giving. Another aspect of being committed to Jesus' mission is faithful preaching. Paul says it numerous times. I didn't shrink back from declaring anything that was profitable to you. I taught you about repenting, right? About turning from your former life to a new life in Jesus, to to putting your whole life you, all of your faith and your trust in Jesus. In verse twenty-six, I'm innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring you the whole counsel of God. So, so we need to be committed to faithful preaching as a church, declaring the whole counsel of God. Just not the not just the parts that we like or are comfortable or seem to not you know, conflict with our current cultural moment, but declaring the whole council. That means the entirety of what God's revealed to us in scripture. Another aspect of being committed to Jesus' mission is faithful leadership. He's, he's speaking to the leaders from the church in Ephesus. It's not the whole church who comes. It's just the, the elders, the leaders there And he says in verse 28, pay careful attention. This is the last thing he's saying to them. Pay careful attention to yourselves, to the flock, to the church, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, he's made you leaders, to care for the church of God. Why? Because he obtained them with his own blood. Faithful leadership is required to to be committed to, to Jesus' mission. And and faithful leadership requires sacrifice. He's saying that that Jesus gave himself. He shed his own blood for his church. And so those who are leaders in the church have to lead sacrificially. They have to give of themselves as well. And he says, you need to be careful. You You need to know that this is a serious responsibility. Shepherds Leaders in the church of Jesus, they're people who protect and they care for their people that are under, uh, underneath their, the, the authority that Jesus has given to them. So it's not about power, it's not about dictating things, it's not about being a dominant leader, it's about being a humble, sacrificial, self-giving leader. That's the kind of faithful leadership that's required to maintain a commitment to Jesus mission. All right, so we, we see that we have to be faithful uh, sacrificially. We have to be faithful uh, in, in our commitment, have a faithful resolve. Next, we see a faithful example because the task that Jesus has called us to requires character, okay? That character is who you are uh, as a person, I think I've heard a definition that the character is who you are when no one is watching, uh, when no one is looking. And so we see in Paul himself uh, a picture. Here's what leadership looks like. Here's what it looks like to follow Jesus. He says in verse 18, I, "You you've seen, you've seen my life. I've lived transparently before you." that I serve the Lord with humility, with all humility. And he says later in uh, verse 33, I coveted no one's money or clothing. No, no coveting of clothing if you're, uh, <laughs> if you're a follower of Jesus. Um, he, he says, I worked hard, right? You know that, that I worked for myself. My own hands ministered to my necessities and those who are with me. And he says, in all things... I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak, right? He's giving an example. He's saying, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. It's not to, to follow him for what you can gain, but for what you can give, right? You can you can live in a sacrificial way because Jesus has sacrificed for you. And and in one of his letters in 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And, and that's always been uh, a difficult verse for me because when, when I think about myself as a Christian, it's, it's pretty scary to, if you thought, hey, if, if you were to say to somebody, be an imitator of me, copy my life. Like that's a scary thing, right? Right? Not just the parts that I want you to see, but you copy my whole life. But the truth is, like, that's happening. Whether you, whether you know it or not, people are imitating your life, especially if you have children. But the friendships that we have, the relationships we have within the church, right? We're constantly assessing other people and, and, think, and comparing ourselves to them. And Paul says, be an imitator of me. Follow my example as I follow Christ. Not as I pursue my own ambitions or as I build up a really big church or as I start a successful company or as I retire early or whatever your thing is. He says, as I follow Christ, follow my example. And and that's not just... That's not just for, for Paul. We follow Jesus and we should be able to say, follow my life. Whoever you are, you could look at my example and you would know what it looks like to follow Jesus. Uh, I was talking with somebody earlier this week and we were just talking about our day-to-day life. And, and if somebody was just, who didn't know you, and, and you didn't get to talk to them, but they just looked, they could look at your life from the time you woke up to the time you went to bed. Would they know that you followed Jesus? What about your life would, would be an example to them of what it looks like to follow Jesus? And that's a sobering exercise. But part of, of finishing the task is, is being a faithful example to others, because the task, the mission requires character. It can't just be about what we accomplish, our our competency. We're good at doing things. It has to be about our hearts, who we are as people, and Jesus cares about that. We all know stories about people who had incredibly successful ministries, but their character was bankrupt, and it catches up to people eventually. It will come to light. And that's not the example that we want to give, is that as long as you do a bunch of stuff, it's okay. For if, as long as you're doing stuff for Jesus, it doesn't matter how you live. No, the task requires character. Lastly, what does it look like to be faithful to the mission that Jesus has called us to? It is, it is to put our faith in faithfulness because the task requires Christ. This is what we're talking about, what Paul's talking about, it's not our mission. We didn't come up with the idea. We can't we can't fulfill it on our own. That's why Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit. We cannot do this mission without Jesus. And if and if we find ourselves at a point where we built something, we did something, we accomplished something, and Jesus is not present in that. It's worthless, absolutely worthless, because it's his mission. But I think, I think more than being a corrective, it is, is a comfort here that Paul is giving us. As he is saying goodbye to this church, to these leaders in Ephesus he says i commend you i hand you over to god and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified when when we're on jesus mission there is this there has to be surrender where we where we commend our lives to god where we say I, I cannot do this mission. I, I can't have character. I can't be a person uh, that's a good example. You know, there's, there's a lot of lists and to-dos in here, and I, I can't really do any of that without you, Jesus. We have to acknowledge that. I, I can't accomplish any of these things without you. Without the Holy Spirit living in me, I cannot be faithful. That's a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, one of those aspects is faithfulness. It's not a fruit of effort. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit living in us to be faithful to the mission of Jesus. And so, so here at the end, I, I just want to say, I want us to be a faithful church. I want us to make sacrifices because the mission is costly, and I want us to be committed because the task, the mission that Jesus has for us, it requires commitment, it requires resolve. And I, I want us to be good examples of what it looks like to follow Jesus because the mission requires character. But, but above all, the task, the mission requires Christ, meaning we need him, we desperately need him we cannot do his mission without him. I'm really thankful for today because um in our in our family meeting that we're going to have after it's kind of like a part two to this <laughs> to this message. It's, it's really how do we individually as a church put into practice what we're, what we're learning about here. And so I know uh, most of you are here when I announced earlier, but just to reiterate, uh, to come to our family meeting this afternoon, because we're going to talk about, here's how we, here's how we think we can do this for the next six months, the next year. Here's how we can be faithful to the task that Jesus has given to us. So Let's, uh, let's pray together, and we'll, we'll move into a time of response. As we've heard this call to faithfulness, uh, let's, let's respond together. But first, let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for your faithfulness to us. You never change. You never abandon us. You never pull out the rug from underneath us even though it feels like it many times. But you are faithful. You are true. And I pray that that before we talk about or we think about what it looks like to be committed, what it looks like to have character, what it looks like to to make sacrifices, we would see the faithfulness of Jesus. We would see who he is, what he's done for us. Jesus, you gave your life, your blood was poured out for us and you rose from death and you ascended into heaven where you rule and reign and you are faithful. And so would we, would we understand that the mission is not just giving ourselves to a job, it's really giving ourselves to you. And so help us to, to commend our own lives to you, to give our hearts to you, and that we could face Whatever comes, the joys, the triumphs, the difficulties, the suffering, because we've given ourselves to you and because we have faith in your faithfulness, not our own. Help us as we continue to worship, as we continue to respond in giving our lives to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.